pivoting toward the cabin, but instead of the geese, he saw the crowd. The jostling, oblivious passengers from the cabin. Now they held their cell phones outstretched as they erupted onto the deck. They advanced on him, a mob of adults in down coats and fleece vests, cornering him in the bow, their breath puffs of white, their faces a blur of expressions. Excitement, surprise, fear, one after the other, like those face flashcards they used to make him do in school. A woman clipped his arm, and the binoculars slipped out of his hands, flopping hard against his chest. On the other side, a man jostled against him. They just kept coming. He'd read about stampedes at soccer games and day-after-Thanksgiving sales. This must be what it felt like. In the back of the throng, he saw his mother, her wide eyes pinned on him, her mouth open, gesturing at her own head, pulling at her ears. Robbie couldn't hear her. The noise of the crowd seeped into his hood, under his headphones, invading his quiet. He tried to go toward her, tugging at his hood, but the surging crowd pushed him back. Another passenger, a big man, jounced against him, knocking his headphones askew, spinning him around to face back out over the rail. And then he saw it. The airplane's white nose poked out of the water, poked right at the ferry, which was churning straight toward it. With its band of black cockpit windows, the plane looked back at him like a Star Wars stormtrooper mask. A submerged stormtrooper rising out of the river. But planes didn't belong in a real river. In a video game or a movie, it could happen, probably because an enemy shot it down. He looked up, scanning the sky warily. Nothing. Robbie felt a tug of anxiety over the unanswered question. How did the plane get in the river? He remembered his binoculars and lifted them to his eyes. People were lined up on the wings. The passengers. How did they get out there on the wings? He remembered the flight attendant's safety demonstration in the aisle when they left from Detroit two days ago, how she pointed out the doors to be used in the event of an emergency. He couldn't see any doors in the stormtrooper. The passengers stood in uneven rows, only some wearing life jackets. Their life jackets were under the seat cushions. They hadn't listened and forgot them. Now, backlit by the late afternoon sun, their line of silhouettes, staggered by height, they looked helpless. Helpless and doomed, held captive by the stormtrooper airplane. Robbie leaned over the railing, willing the ferry forward faster, and shrieked his first word since lunchtime. Go! Petrified, Deborah DeWitt Goldman stared at her stylish black pumps, submerged beneath four inches of icy water. The pumps were her favorite pair, her lucky pair. She had been wearing them last year when she landed the biggest gift by a living donor couple in the history of Cornell University, any school, even medicine, a $10 million challenge gift to build a new law school. Only $65 million to go. But they weren't so lucky today. Neither she nor her husband Christopher could swim. A suddenly glaring imperfection in their otherwise flawlessly planned and executed lives, and the wing felt like an ice rink. An older woman had already slipped, but was hauled back up by other passengers. She was shaking now and crying, saying she had to call her son. Her son. The possessive words gave Deborah a pang, as always. It was unreal. A bad dream, it must be. How could a routine takeoff go so wrong in less than five minutes?
She had had the window seat. Christopher sat beside her on the aisle, engrossed in an ornithology journal even before they were taxied to the runway. The fasten seatbelt sign glowed red. Several rows ahead, a baby cried, innocently flipping on Deborah's internal longing. Then a muffled thud, then another, then a third, then another, and she lost count. Did you hear that? What was that? What's happening out there? Questions, laced more with wonder than fear, floated around her. Christopher lifted his head attentively. Uh-oh, he said, leaning across her to look out the window at the ribbon of river below them. What is it? She asked, the first finger of fright squeezing her stomach as she leaned beside him, her hair swinging forward to brush his cheek. What do you see? Is that smoke? Behind them, a woman's louder, more alarmed voice rose above the murmurs. Smoke?